Thank you guys for listening to the Thunderbro Thundercast podcast. Please, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to reach out, you want to hit us up, check out our Instagram, Thunderbro. Slide into our DMs, and you can always email us. That's thunderbro at gmail.com, thundrbro. Don't forget to leave that E out. But we hope to see you next week. Don't forget, new episodes drop every Wednesday at noon. That's right, hump day at noon. Don't miss it. The Thunderbro, Thundercast, get huge. Dave, you got to pull up your music. Are you the, are you the Thunder Intro? Yeah, well, it's too late. Yeah. We are rolling. All right. It's all right. No Thunderbro podcast would be, it wouldn't be right if it was too organized. Yeah, exactly. We have a, a way of making things sloppy, look elegant. But the Champ Champ is here. <laughs> okay. The Champ Champ is here. So this episode is dedicated, well, not just to you, Dave, but to your training yep. and all of the little things i think a lot of people just think hey you work out you eat chicken and you get on stage yeah but there's a lot more that goes into winning two divisions than that yeah i mean like i i get asked the question a lot like why are you doing this that was actually one of the original well, ones i think that's a great place to start yeah. why yeah, like, and and it's not just from like concerned friends and family members. It's from people in the CrossFit community. Um, you know, uh, you just you know you put yourself through a lot to compete in bodybuilding. It's a pretty extreme and demanding sport. And going back to what I'm even doing in this space, the idea with doing these competitions, competing myself, is number one, establishing credibility in the sport. Um, you know, I firmly believe that there's a big difference between knowledge and information. And, uh, you know, information is something you read in a book or see on TV or you can just kind of regurgitate. But knowledge is having done it, having lived it um, and understanding it on a deeper level. So unless you've done it yourself or done it with your athletes, you really don't know. Uh, so the, the first goal is credibility and, and gaining knowledge. Um, that helps us a lot because the idea with Thunderbro is to bridge the gap between aesthetics and performance and to prove to people that you can be more than just a bodybuilder and more than just a CrossFitter, that you can have this physical virtuosity and be able to be a jack of all trades, jump on stage, compete at a high level in bodybuilding and still be able to maintain and hold your own in the realm of fitness or performance. So every show that goes better, that I do better in, not only do I learn more, um, but I start to break those stigmas that you can only be one thing. You can be lots of things. And I think that's why a lot of our athletes, our customers, and people who are just mm. generally fans of Thunderbro are attracted to the brand because it's not like we're saying you have to only be a bodybuilder or only be a CrossFitter. It's more about, you know, the idea of like, get what you want out of fitness. If, if you are truly trying to become an athletic specimen, you should be able to show it on every stage, not just the bodybuilding stage, but also, you know, um, if you go to the local powerlifting meet, if you're running a 10K, if you're doing a CrossFit competition, if you're hiking up a mountain, we're blending it all together in a way that hasn't been done before. So let me ask you a couple of questions in, in line with that. Some people may not know just how good you were at functional fitness CrossFit. What were some of the best 
performances you had, not necessarily your lifts. I mean, they can Google Dave Lips and CrossFit and see you hit like a one minute Isabel against Josh Everett, do what, 20 reps at 225 against Rob Orlando. But what were some of your best performances in the competition realm? But those evaluations are all like highly dependent on what your perspective is, like your point of reference, right? Like in, in the time that I competed, when CrossFit was not as big as it was now, these are years 2008 through 2014, right? It's kind of, you know, growing and building. Um, for a few years, I was known as one of the stronger CrossFitters on the scene anywhere, um, just because I had experience in strength sport and a background in uh, training, so my entry level was a little bit higher when I came in, and um, and so I had a head start, uh, which was lucky for me because I could set records and workouts like I did the uh, Isabel in 56 seconds with some no reps in there. Oh yeah, like I, I knew how to move fast, you know, like there's no being explosive or moving quickly was never a problem for me. Um, so that was one of the things I take a lot of pride in was like still holding that record that was from 2009. Did you guys tie on that or did you actually get the win? So there were two, there was, there was two uh, ones. There was one at an event with the judge where Josh and I went face to face and we both did it in exactly a minute. And when you say face to face, I mean, you guys were nose literally nose, yeah, tits a, a foot tits. apart. Yeah. yeah, not a safe way to lift. Um, and then there was another one where we just videoed it in a garage um, and it was 56 seconds. Now the, the reason why it was slower against Josh was because I got like three no reps in there. So I might've been on a faster pace actually when I was competing against Josh. But um, yeah, the 56 second Isabel, um, the back squatting stuff, like I always love to squat and squat heavy and with volume. So I did, um, you know, squatting five, at least 500 pounds every single day for a year as a fundraiser for a friend who passed away. Um, you know, the CrossFit total videos, those are, those are, those are fun. Um, and what I like most about, you know, what attracted me so much to CrossFit, the idea of versatility is that, you know, in any one of these disciplines, you could find somebody who's the best in the world who could fucking annihilate you. But it's really hard to find somebody who can do a lot of things in that 99th percentile. So yeah, I, I, I take a lot of pride in like my mile time, you know, running a 530 mile for a 230 pound guy at that time when I was doing all the lifting to run a 530 mile was a huge accomplishment for me to a marathoner that's fucking slow. But you know, yes. for, for me, it, it's, it's just, um, illustrating the diversity of training, the diversity of capacities, and building an athlete that can uh, that can do it all. Um, do you think you can still throw down a one minute Isabel right now? Yeah, I, I mean, you can train you, hard for a minute. I don't think it's I think hard. you could do it as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm I'm stronger some things now. Like the the whole bodybuilding thing, the evolution going from like strength sport and CrossFit, which is just heavy lifting and high high intensity. And then completely getting to the point where I've been broken down, where my legs were, you know, I was losing function of my legs and my body was just betraying me. I mean, it actually got to the point, nobody really knows this, and this is a totally separate story, that I was so debilitated and frustrated from being hurt and not being able to train that for a while I went through like a really big depression and like I hated my body. I hated it. I remember being at a party with Jesse Burdick and Mark Bell, who were powerlifters. These guys are like potatoes. Not that they look like potatoes. I mean, yes. Mark looks amazing. Jesse looks amazing. But they're powerlifters. They're big fucking beefy guys. And um, 
and I was afraid to take my shirt off at the party. I was like ashamed. What kind of party was um, this? This was a pool, pool, pool oh, okay. party. I was wondering. It was a party, yeah. Like we always take our shirts off at parties. But I remember that moment. It was Christmas dinner. And as I compare that moment, you know, Cammy brought up the other day, that moment when I was ashamed and afraid to take my shirt off in front of my friends and colleagues because of how much they would have seen, you know, my body deteriorated to, um, you know, losing uh, muscle mass, gaining body fat, uh, just not being able to move like I used to it really hurts. And you suffer silently until you decide to do something about it, which in my case was surgery. But um, going from that to, let's say, what I did yesterday, you know, being on stage at a, a, a bodybuilding show, a national qualifying show, and winning the overall in two categories, like, it's such a shift, it's such a swing, and everything in between those two moments was this really awesome journey that I've been trying to share with people, you know, through Thunderbro and the, the, the changes and the adjustments I've made, and the people that have reached out and helped me and the strategies that I've kind of learned and basically understanding that, you know, everyone reaches a point where they get, they get beat by something, right? Something fucking gets them and they feel down and they think this is it, you know, I guess it's all downhill from here. And to be able to overcome that and and realize that there's more in the tank for you that there's there's other things out there that there's lots of different ways for me it was kind of letting go of the idea of competing in crossfit and adopting health performance and aesthetics as my new main goal without abandoning fitness um that was a big journey and that's been years now but what's cool is like i love seeing our athletes talk about enjoying that same journey through us well i do want to have a whole episode dedicated to your back surgery, because I learned about it a lot last week. I think everybody kind of knows you went through a hardship, but not quite how hard it actually was. I think it's important for the listeners to hear that. But right now, let's talk about the last couple of weeks. You yep. you competed. We had our most recent episodes talking about the different categories. And then this time you went out there, two categories. You did physique and bodybuilding. Yeah. And you won both both categories at the, at the competition. Entering bodybuilding my first year last year, I knew people in that community did not expect or even want me to do well. Because they knew I was from CrossFit and I did things a little differently and it wasn't the old traditional stuff. So they were very apprehensive about me because you make your own stories up in your head. You judge people, right? And we even said a prayer the other night where we said, you know, please God, give us the strength to live without fear and judgment of ourselves yeah. and others. Well, that's a really hard thing to do. And, and so just even people knowing that like, hey, I'm, I'm not from that community and I'm from this other very vocal and known community, you already are, are kind of getting judged. And um, the, the goal from the beginning was to prove that I can do it with them at a high level and still be fit and still do CrossFit and be able to kind of balance the two things together. And I've learned so much from the, that, that community is awesome. They're just as supportive as the CrossFit community. I mean, uh, they're, they're so open and welcoming. And I think the idea of shared suffering in the gym that we see in CrossFit, you know, being bonded through that shared suffering that happens in bodybuilding. It's just not just the training, it's the dieting, it's the lifestyle, it's the dedication. That's what bonds us. You look in that room and you know that everyone has suffered tremendously to be able to get there, just to be ready to go on stage. 
Um, so you make some really good friends, and this was now my third competition, and everyone gets better. Every time you learn a little bit more, you give yourself a new goal, you set your sights on a new thing. So this year, my big goal after the first competition was to try to qualify for the NPC Nationals. So National Physique Committee is kind of like the authoritative body. It's the pipeline to become the a NPC, professional. NPC, right? Yep. Yep. And they're, they're, they're the big dogs, the biggest organization. And a lot of people compete. And going to nationals is a pretty big deal to be able to you know, go for a, a national championship where you can get a word, a pro card. And most people do it in one category, you know, um, because the categories select for a specific body type. So for instance, if you are physique, you're probably somebody who is not tremendously large, um, you know, really good definition. Like it looked like a, a well-muscled track athlete would be a physique athlete. Classic physique is kind of like a smaller bodybuilder. Um, and it's based on the idea of like 1970s bodybuilding, or they call it the classic, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, six foot two, 240 pounds. And then there's bodybuilding that goes now all the way up to these monsters on stage. So my goal was to prove that not only can I go to nationals in a category, but I wanted to qualify in every category because that's such a CrossFit way of doing things. Yeah, it really is. It's like, I, I don't want to just be the best bodybuilder or physique athlete or classic athlete. I want to be the guy who can do it all, who can do all the poses, who has enough musculature to compete with bodybuilding, who has enough definition um, and, uh, and, and enough of a V taper to compete with the physique athletes and who can pose and show it as well as the best classic physique athletes. So um, it's, it's again, speaking of versatility and I feel so blessed that I was given the opportunity this year to not only work really hard and make some good adjustments, but to get two shots at trying to qualify for that and then you know, making that happen and achieving that goal is a huge high. For me personally, it's gratifying, but it also, in my heart, validates what we're doing. Well, we're gonna, I want to talk all about the weekend, but for reference, what percentage of competitors would you say compete like you did in all three categories? Very few people do all three. Some people do two. Um, and, and it, because like everyone will select for a specific body type. Right. So, you know, a, a good bodybuilding coach can look at an athlete and say, you're a bodybuilder, you're a classic physique athlete, you do well in physique. Um, to have the ability to do all three means that you're you've got versatility, you know, for instance, somebody who's like you're blatantly a bodybuilder. It's probably someone who's really well muscled, like a really beefy person. Um, somebody who is a great uh, physique competitor usually has a tiny waist with very broad shoulders, um, but is kind of lighter and leaner. So to be able to do all three at a high level is hard because each one requires an extreme, especially as you move up in levels. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people do it. The other reason why they don't do it is because it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. You go off stage, you come back on, you go off stage, you come back on, you go off stage, you come back on, and you do that again in the afternoon for the show after prejudging. And every time you come back, you got to pump up, you got to, you know, you, you, when you do a show and you're on stage, even for those 90 seconds or two minutes where you're holding poses, you know, contracting your muscles as hard as you can, you come off the stage not only like huffing and puffing, but in my case, uh, even yesterday, uh, cramping. Like your muscles are physically locked up, so it takes a lot of endurance and toughness to be able to have that ability to keep going back up on stage and and bringing out your best uh, your best package. So we have a lot of people that want to get involved, whether it's actually step on stage 
or simply want to cut. Yep. Just get lean. Everybody wants a six pack. Everybody wants to be pleased with what they see in the mirror. So you're unleashing a new protocol, Thundercuts. It's coming out in the new year. But a lot of that is going to be about all of these little details that you've learned in the last couple of years on how best to achieve that. Yeah, you know, a lot of the things that I've meshed together with my experience in bodybuilding has been blending my knowledge of performance training with my knowledge of training with aesthetics. Um, and oftentimes they're supportive of each other. Sometimes they're not. But I understand that there is a middle ground where, like, you know, if you are at, at such a caloric deficit and dehydrating yourself so massively to look a certain way on stage, that's not going to be conducive to a big deadlift. And if you're only focused on, you know, you know, having the biggest back squat, you're not going to look super great on stage. So a lot of it is contextual, but the principles remain the same, right? It's just how far you want to go in what direction. So for, for Thundercuts, the idea is, number one, providing people a system for being able to reduce their body fat, maintain their muscle mass, and, and being able to train for performance while they do it. Um, and the subtitle to Thundercuts is called Cardi No, because it's bodybuilding, not body shrinking. And I know a lot of people, when it comes to losing body fat, especially in the bodybuilding community, the easy route is to try to take a bunch of anabolics and just go do cardio, and it, the, the fat gets stripped off you and you're able to spare the muscle because you're just full of so much androgens that you don't emaciate. And a lot of these drugs they use are actually drugs they've used for muscle-wasting diseases and uh, things like anemia, right? So that's the unhealthy way to do it. In my eyes, what I've had the best success with is instead of just doing a bunch of cardio and doing something where you lose a ton of weight along with muscle mass, to be in a state of a caloric deficit, which is not eating as many calories as you need to sustain your current mass, and introducing intermittent bouts of anabolic training, of muscle building stimulus throughout the day, so that you can be burning fat and building muscle, just depending on um, when, when it is in the day and what your goal is. So the basic template operates on the idea of, of, of being in a caloric deficit, increasing your training frequency, and um, being in a fasted state for the first half of the day where you do something called a depletion workout. And a depletion workout is where you're just basically trying to run down the glycogen in your muscles so that you can pull into fat stores. And then in the afternoon is where we try to get into the anabolic effect where we feed you around training, we replenish those stores so your muscles have some fuel to work with, and then after the training, after you've eaten through your training and at night, you immediately go into another longer fast, which carries you into the next day. So it's balancing being anabolic with being catabolic. You know, anabolism is the state of building muscle. Um, it's, it's where you're uptaking nutrients. Being catabolic is where you're essentially mobilizing energy uh, and losing muscle mass. It sounds like people could expect to actually improve performance while cutting. Yeah, like I don't want people to get to the point, and this is the hard balancing act with it, it's like anything extreme or, 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 or compelling usually is not comfortable, right? And, and the more you do this stuff, the more you get comfortable being uncomfortable, but in no way can I say like, hey, you can do this program and not be hungry. You will be hungry. Uh, in no way can I say you can do this program and you won't be tired. You will be tired. 
but we're going to strategically make it so that you can still maintain as much muscle mass and strength as possible while you do this and reduce the catabolic of muscle wasting effects while we try to pull into those fat stores stimulated by the training we do twice a day. Um, and the, the substitution for steady state cardio is what we call these depletion workouts, which is lightweight weightlifting short sessions that are just meant to get your heart rate up, kick your metabolism, get your digestion going. They're also fantastic for recovery because you're moving blood around. So when I leave a depletion workout, I usually leave feeling my body feels good. It's nice and short, it just kind of wakes you up and it starts revving up the metabolism while you're in a deficit. Then we get as much out of that as we can before we start feeding you around training, giving you meals and carbohydrates and, and food to be able to have you get a good hard lifting session in to spike your hormones to maintain the muscle mass, then we just keep rinsing and repeating that every single day. But use the big important word discomfort. Yep. Let's talk about some of the discomfort leading up to this past weekend for you competing. Okay. So your competition was on Sunday, you go into town on Saturday. Yeah, the way these competitions work is like usually the the day before the show is check-in. And a check-in, uh, the biggest thing I worry about is the weigh-in because you want to make sure that you can qualify for the category you're attempting uh, to compete in. And you, you don't want to be the smallest guy in the biggest category. You want to be the biggest guy in the smallest category. So for me this time, it was being able to make 225 pounds for that 198 to 225 pound category so that I would look like the biggest guy on stage even though I was you know walking around at 230 you just pull some water and, and deplete a little bit to be able to make that weight um, but you know it, the the next step up is the 225 and above unlimited which now means you're competing against guys who are 300 pounds which will make you look small yeah so um, it's it's very similar to fighting and wrestling, right? Like you you want to be as close to the weight as possible, but not over. So, but let but let's talk about the discomfort leading up to that weigh-in. Yeah. For those that don't know, you live on the top of a mountain. We live in the middle of nowhere. Um, All you have actually, to do is hop on the phone with Dave for a minute. It's just to realize that he has no surface there. It's a beautiful place. We have amazing views. We got a great home gym. Uh, I have no desire to leave the house except whenever it snows or rains or gets windy, the power goes out and we lose internet. And for someone who runs an internet-based business, that can be really challenging. <laughs> it's not ideal. Um, and, uh, and because we are isolated, our roads don't get plowed. Because we're right at the, um, you know, in the middle of the front range, we get these dramatic, sustained, gusting winds. And it's and been we, terrible this time of year. Yep, like uh, 70 miles sustained winds and lots of snow. Um, so the other day, um, on Saturday, I was got up early because I wanted to make sure I get myself plenty of time to drive to the competition, to make it to check-in, to check into the hotel, and, you know, get through registration. And at 8 a.m., I started driving my car, and I got caught in just a massive snowbank, like a four-foot snowbank where I couldn't even open up my door to get out. I had to crawl out the window, um, and this snow had been blown. It, I, I don't know why I thought I could drive through it. If it's powdery, sometimes you can get through it, but this is – it had baked for a day. And when I say baked, what happens is the snow gets in the sun, and it melts a little bit, and then it gets cold and hardens up, so it actually becomes like concrete. Good for snowballs, bad for driving. Yeah, like you got a bloody nose. This is a good snowballer. <laughs> a snowball I feel like space. the scene in Forrest Gump where he's like, rain was coming from everywhere. Oh, it's That's so like you in the snow. It was like a blizzard, you know, and uh, – 
So I get out of the car, I look at it, the wheels aren't even touching the ground. Like the snow has lifted the car up from the bottom, from the chassis, and the wheels are not even touching anything. And so I go to my neighbors, which is another hike, because we're pretty far apart. Everyone lives a couple hundred yards yeah, away. Yeah, neighbors, like, not like your neighbor next and door. this is through the 70 mile an hour winds, so I get blown and chapped in the face by the fucking wind and snow. And uh, I recruit like five neighbors. They still dig in the car and we dig the car and we finally able to get it out, but we can't get through. So we call and uh, we're trying to get, um, a, you know, this person in the neighborhood who helps us with plowing, we're trying to get him to come out, but he can't come out because he needs to get a backhoe to be able to move the snow because it's so thick and heavy. So I'm thinking, I'm fucked. Like I have put myself, my family, uh, my business, uh, through so much to prepare to be able to compete in the show and now I'm not even going to be able to be there and I was just thinking how disappointed not only I would be in myself but how disappointed I would be for them that you know when you invest you don't mind investing and in suffering but what you do mind is not getting a return on that investment eventually and this this is supposed to be the reward the journey is getting to the stage and the reward is being on the stage where you get to show all the fucking work you did and um and so i didn't know what else to do except uh i could see the road down the hill that was plowed and i thought maybe if i could get a buddy to drive down to the bottom of my road maybe i could hike down there with all my gear and, uh, and have them pick me up and bring me into town and maybe I'd like rent a car. So that's exactly what I did. I grabbed my backpack, my duffel bag, my two coolers worth of food and I thought, I'm gonna hike off trail, which means that you're just kind of walking down the side of a mountain um, through these snowbanks to try to get to Nate, our media guy who was picking us up. And uh, it, you know, it was the quickest line of sight, a straight line. I could have tried to walk down the road, but I'd still have to walk through snowbanks, and it was like two miles longer. So you're so, like soaking wet. At yeah, this point. so soaking wet, face and skin is really chapped from the high wind, and I'm carrying all my bags, and I'm just falling into these like huge snowdrifts up to my chest, rolling down. I thought like at one point my leg got caught under a branch. I thought I was gonna pop my hamstring off the bone or something. Um, and I was able to actually make it down the hill to Nate in the car and I was so tired I could barely move like Nate saw me I was waddling because I was so exhausted totally new respect for anyone who's walked through the snow without snowshoes off trail like I think about the you know the Mormons who came to Salt Lake and what they, they're going through that like this was 800 meters we gotta get uh, and, Tosh out there with us yeah to teach us uh, Tosh would love it but like it was a bad, I knew it was a bad situation from the beginning, but I also realized this is the only option and, it, you know, I, I can't let some snow stop me. Um, so I was able to make it down to Nate, got a rental car, drove up there and checked in. And by the time I got to check in, I had actually felt like I had already won. You know, just, like, being uh, just being there, I'm like, I went through so much today just to get here. The fact that I'm here in this hotel, weighing in at the right weight, checking in and able to kind of relax and eat a meal before I go on stage tomorrow is a huge victory regardless of what happens. So, I mean, those are some of the behind the scene expeditions, if you will, that you had to go through. Let's talk about some of the smaller ones. So I'm sitting here beside you. And one thing that I can pick up on that a lot of people might not is your hands currently look like you're a mechanic. And when I say that, what I mean is they look dirty. 
But, yeah. but I think we both know they're not actually dirty. They're not dirty. This is one of the things like people don't understand about bodybuilding is uh, it's not just enough to build your body up. You want to be able to show it really well on stage, which means the lighting needs to be right, that your skin needs to be shaved and nice and clean and clear, that your skin needs to be thin enough that they can see the striations and the detail and the vascularity and that the lights don't wash out your skin and just make it look shiny and white so they spray tan you and part of that spray tanning is going through a very thorough shave of your body and depending on what category you compete in you may have to shave more or less of your body so for instance in bodybuilding where you're wearing a tiny banana hammock with your ass cheeks hanging out you have to shave every single fucking spot on your body your ass your your crotch your thoughts you name it like you gotta <laughs> shave it all everything's out everything everything's everything's going out and then when they tan you you have to tan naked because you if you tan in your suit you're gonna have these awful looking lines and, and by the way we should say here if you're not already subscribed to our youtube channel thunderbro they can see a lot of this behind the scenes stuff go yes. down you can see you know, Dave's bare bottom even if you want. I don't think we've edited that out just yet. These are the intricacies. And to the layman, they might see this and go, well, why is he doing that? That's just silly and stupid. But you need to. But when you go through that much dedication and suffering, you don't care. Like, whatever it takes to be able to look your best on stage is what you do. Because you've put yourself through so much that shaving some stuff off or doing a spray tan, if that's going to make you look 10% better... You just do it. So it's, you know. I think the real question is, who shaves your butt? Good question. So there's only one person who can shave my butt, and I'm not Nate. that person. Yeah, um, Camille, my wife, is like not only does she have to put up with like massive mood swings and being angry and irritable from dieting and just being absent because the training ramps up so much that you're gone four or five hours a day in the gym. Um, and then you're stressed because you can't even think about anything else. It becomes this really obsessive thing. Not only does she have to put up with that, but then she volunteers to shave me where I can't reach. Is she volunteering um, really? Or? Well, she knows that there really is not much of a choice. Like either she helps me out or I massacre myself into well, a place. Well, I feel like either she helps you out or I'm going to get a yeah. random text. You might get a random text. You might. I'll Some shave her butt. But can, um, you, can you give us an impression of what Camille shaving your butt might sound like? Yes. So she goes, okay, David. And she's very, um, I'm surprised how good of a sport she is because at no point does she say gross or ew or I don't want to do this. I think in some, she might even enjoy it a little bit. I know she's, you know, some girls like that stuff. But yeah, so she'll have me lie on the ground. Um, I put a pillow underneath my belly. She will sit on the stool of our squatty potty and she'll just sit over me and she'll start with my calves and she'll do the back of my calves and then my hamstring and then my butt and then she'll go and she'll get in between the butt a little does bit. She, does it, there's and, like spreading that yep, has to happen. Yep, yeah. she spread and move and she's, you know, it's such an amazing sport doing it uh, and she'll work all the way up my back. And, um, you know, for those of you got people out there who have, who have ever shaved your body, you know, I'm, I'm a, a white guy, I've got fair skin. Normally when I shave, I break out right after I shave. You know, um, and normally when I shave, I bleed. And normally when I shave, I don't shave at all and I have more hair. So the way I try to get ahead of it is for two weeks before the show, 
I pick a body part in the shower and I'll shave it that day. One so, body part a day. Yeah, exactly. Because it's too much to handle the whole thing. So like, you know, maybe the first day I'm like, I'm just gonna shave my arms today, and the next day I'm gonna shave my chest and belly, and the next day I'm gonna shave my legs, and the next day I'm gonna shave my, my lower leg, and then I'll do that again because it keeps growing back and you miss spots. You just keep doing that, and it also like the pimples, they start to dry up and heal. So the earlier you do it, the better because it gives you a chance to like get all the spots, but also let your skin kind of adapt to it a little bit. Um, and, uh, and the last thing I will do is shave the ass. So now that you're done for at least some time getting ready, is there no shaving? No more shaving. No, I mean, the only reason to really shave would be maybe for like the aesthetic of a photo shoot or a video shoot to be able to show um, musculature. But like I'm headed in the other direction now. It's we, we finished the season. We hit our goal. We qualified in every category. We won two overalls. So now it's gain season. We're going to put size back on um, from the bodybuilding perspective. And this is what's cool about shows. Every time you do a show – you know exactly what you need to work on for the next show. If you're, if you pay attention, judges are pretty good at telling you like, Hey, you need more of this or that. For instance, the first show I did this season, he said, Hey, the body was good, but you need to smile when you're on stage. And for physique athletes, your hair and face, it's too messy. We don't want a lumberjack. So you got to look clean and kept. Um, and I was like, okay, that's an easy adjustment. Next time I go on, I'll, I'll cut my hair better and I'll smile. Um, and that was a huge difference. They so kept the beard. Yeah, kept the beard, but kept it clean this time, right? right? right. Um, for classic and bodybuilding, usually the feedback is more along the lines of how your body looks and presents and what your posing is like. So the first show I did, they said, hey, you did good, kid, but you got to get your legs bigger and you got to get your back bigger. I said, okay, cool. That's what we spent the whole year doing is training legs, training back, and filling in those gaps. Um, and now with bodybuilding, I've got some specific goals where they now want to see like you got to have bigger calves and bigger hamstrings to be able to compete as a heavyweight. So you get a new goal. The other part is is the posing, which in my mind is like that is the thing that I don't love doing. I love training. Like I love being in the gym and smashing iron and working hard, but sitting there and trying to connect with the muscle, trying to get a hamstring to flex the right way or trying to hit a position, it's very tedious. It's really the artistry of the sport. If you like dancing, you probably like posing. I like dancing, but like the posing to me is frustrating because I have a hard time connecting with the muscles. Part of that is because of my back surgery, uh, especially with my legs. I've lost some nerve function in, in, in my legs, so to get certain muscles to fire is, is harder than others. My left leg fires great, and my right leg, I'm just missing some muscles getting turned on. So you have to really tediously practice it and do it again and again and again. Um, but even from last year, having worked on posing, not only do you get more comfortable, you get better at it, you, you feel like you're getting somewhere um and uh and so now yeah this season we're gonna we're gonna work on the weaknesses we're gonna practice posing and the goal is to come out strong for nationals next year and there is always a possibility if you do great at nationals you can get a pro card which in my mind is the ultimate expression of credibility in the sport of being to say like i am at a professional level of bodybuilding and you can compete with people that that is all that they do they don't do CrossFit. They don't own their own businesses. Uh, they don't do other stuff and write books and do podcasts or whatever. They just go in the gym and fucking train and eat all day, and that is their life. And while I completely respect that, I also understand that there's a price to specialization, just like we talk about in CrossFit. Okay. And uh, I would love to be able to 
hang with those guys while also being able to do the other stuff too. That would be the ultimate goal. I mean, it's similar to a lot of people that listen do come from that CrossFit background. It's no different than, you know, the, the top athletes in the world, the Matt Frazier's and the Tia Claire's that are basically full-time athletes. Yes. And, you know, the average person at the box wants to do as well as them forgetting they have a job, a family, and other obligations where Matt and Tia and a host of others, that's all they have to do. Yeah, I doubt that Matt and Tia wake up in the morning and they ask themselves, what am I going to do today? Uh, maybe I'll do some customer service on thunderroad.com. You don't think they're getting back to all the DMs? Like yeah, they are? try to talk with the athletes and write a new chapter of a book and, you know, spend some time with the wife. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it is... It is a balancing act, and I think that's a good lesson that CrossFit has taught all of us, is that um, you, everyone can be more than one thing. Everyone has the ability to be more than one thing, and, and this is that dichotomy that I've liked trying to break since I was a little kid. You can be smart and you can be an athlete. You can be intelligent and have physical prowess. You can have elite athletic performance and imposing physicality. You can have strength and endurance. Um, you can be a great business person and a good husband and a good athlete. Um, so I think that that is the, the fun and the challenge of all this is being able to try to be in that 90th percentile of everything as opposed to just one thing. Another question people want to know. You get tanned. You said you're naked. Yes. So is everything tan? Yeah. So you have options, right? The first time I did the, the tan, I actually tried to put a sock on my dick. Because he said, so I didn't give it a sock. I wasn't, sure was, I wasn't sure. Yeah, it was like a, it was a cutoff, right? It was like, <laughs> um, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a guy or a girl tanning me. It was a guy, and we actually have a pretty good rapport and we're friendly. And second time, same guy was tanning me. I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm taking the sock off. It's just, it's just fucking up He's the tan. He's used to it. Yeah. It, the, the sock keeps hitting your leg, and then it blotches up the tan. So he's seen enough of it. Yeah, your dick gets a little tan. He's not aiming for it or anything like that. It's really just the area around it. Um, but, you know, you do what you need to do look to look your best. It's one day, you know, in total, if I tallied up all my minutes on stage this whole season, I probably spent 20 minutes on stage and thousands of hours of training. So what the fuck does it matter? You yeah. Know? Like, a tan, a tan dick is the way to go. Yeah. What, what are some of the other little things that people might not realize go into it? You know, obviously, the hours and hours at the gym, the sacrifices when it comes to eating. We've talked about tanning. We've talked about shaving. What else goes on? Um, you know, there, there's so many things specific to competition that you pick up on, the little inches that can give you a slight advantage. You know, for a, a new athlete, they don't really need to worry about this stuff. All they need to worry about is maybe working on their shape and trying to reduce their body fat with good training and good nutrition. But then there is some really specific competition nutrition that can take you from, from good to great or give you that last half of an inch. And one of the new things that I tried this time was just the use of diuretics. Diuretics push water out of your body. They're natural diuretics. They're pharmaceutical diuretics. I had taken a natural diuretic before called Expel, which is kind of like dandelion root. Yeah. It didn't really do that much for me. Uh, you're reducing your water, so that is probably the biggest way you're kind of drying yourself out. Uh, but this year, I tried uh, Dizide, which is a pharmaceutical diuretic in a very, very conservative dose, which scared me a little bit because there are so many adverse effects that can go wrong. Not so much health-wise, but that can like fuck you up on stage because sometimes a diuretic can actually flatten people out. You can cramp, right? Um, you can cramp. So, you know, the muscles 
the whole idea around competition is to drive glycogen and, and drive fuel into the muscle cells, specifically what they call the sarcoplasm, which is the fluid that the muscles bathe in, and to pull as much water out of the skin and between the cells, the intracellular uh, you know, fluid, to try to get it all the, all the water and volume in the muscle and out of the skin in the other places. So you know, if you dehydrate too much and you deplete glycogen too much, then your muscles lose their cellular pressure and you can look smaller. You don't want to look smaller. If you take a diuretic and you hydrate too much, you can actually become very watery, which means that like now you can't see the muscles as well. Um, and then there's always that element of electrolyte balance where if you're pushing so much water out of you and it's carrying electrolytes with it, you can very easily end up in a situation where you're like cramping. And that's why I think that's the biggest danger with diuretics is getting in a situation where, you know, something like diazide is potassium sparing, so your potassium levels can jack up. And in like a really worst case scenario, that's not, that's kind of precursor for even heart stuff. And I can tell, you know, when you get dehydrated, your heart rate goes up, your blood viscosity gets thicker. So um, certainly something to proceed with caution with, right? And it was my first time trying it, so I was really kind of nervous. Um, I did like a half a tab the night before and I woke up and I took a picture and said to my coach and I went, wow, I'm feeling and looking like really tight right now. Like it felt like somebody kind of shrunk my skin around my muscles and I could just, it felt like very tight and full. Um, and then we had to be really careful about how we were going to feed around that. So it was a lot of carbohydrates and a lot of salt and very little water because you don't want to become too watery. Uh, that's a, a danger with the diuretic if you start hydrating too much. And if um, any of the words that Dave is saying are too big, Go on YouTube, Thunderbro, because you explain a lot of those in some of the meathead mechanic videos. Exactly, like the the idea of like sarcoplasm. That that's a big word for basically the the gel that your muscle fibers are in, and and the fluid and the fuel that is going to give them power to be able to contract. And we have a lot more of those coming out. Even Thunderbro University coming out in twenty twenty. Yeah, and what's cool about all these things is like they're things as an athlete, a coach, a novice, or even an expert. Like it helps to know this stuff because it gives you a deeper understanding of your training and your nutrition, what's happening inside the muscle. Um, so yeah, back to the diuretic story. I, I took it, went out in the morning for pre-judging, um, and as I'm pumping up, you know, like when you get a cramp, usually you get like a little cramp, and then a little cramp, and then it locks up, and I started to feel like the bottom of my feet started cramping a little. So I was like, oh fuck, you better ease up a little, and uh, you know, I just pounded some carbs and salt with a little bit of water. It's like maybe the salt's getting too low. Because you just pee a lot, you know? Have you crammed on stage? Uh, that did end up happening. But I got through the morning okay. And then in the afternoon, which is, you know, prejudging determines your position in your class. The afternoon determines your position overall across all the classes where they kind of pick an overall winner. An overall winner for physique and for bodybuilding and for classic. Um, so you go out, you do a routine. When I went to do it, my bodybuilding routine, your solo on stage, it was one of the last poses I hit. It was an abdominal thigh pose where you flex your abs, you pull down, you flex your quads as hard as you can, your hip flexor jacks up. It looks awesome. But as soon as I did that, I, I just went a little too hard and my lower ab locked. Really fun. It's like the hard. worst cramp you yeah. can get. Just in time for the song to end and me to walk off stage. <laughs> and then they go, hold on, Dave, because we're going to bring you back out for the overall now. 
So you come out for the overall, now you have all the weight classes you're going against, and they call out poses, you know, hey gentlemen, show us, uh, you know, front double bicep, side chest, side tri, lat spread, and they're kind of comparing you the whole time this ab is cramping, and I'm like, you just gotta make it 30 more fucking seconds, and just don't worry, just like, who cares, it's cramping, it's gonna be flexed anyways, right? Um, and then at the end, they go, okay, now pose off, and in the pose off, it's kind of a fun thing where you just kind of freestyle against each other. You try to show your best poses. All of my best poses are front-facing poses, which means the abs are on. So now I'm flexing my abs as hard as I can while this thing is cramping. And then they called they call out that I won, and I was like, yay! But I, I was kind of crying, too, the whole the axe. And uh, went in the back and just hit uh, like what they call a seal stretch, which is where you yeah. press your chest up on the, on the ground and uh, try to lift your abs. And I sat on the ground probably for the next 15 minutes trying to get this ab to release. And then they called me up for physique. And I go up and it cramps again. You know, it's just, it's again, it's it's just an expression of like you do what it takes in competition to do what you need to do. There's so much work and investment that happens before that that for something small to hold you back is ridiculous. You you do what you gotta do to, to have your best day and to look your best because it's just a moment and there was so much suffering that led up to that moment that in the end, it's nothing. It's it's just a little uncomfortable uh, uncomfortability. But in the scheme of things, you know, don't don't ever back down when stuff like that happens. Well, I think that's going to be the overall theme of the Thundercuts book and the Thundercuts program. It's not for the weak at heart. Yep. But I think what's really cool is there aren't many programs out there where the author and the person that's really leading has led by example. Yeah, and it's it's important for me to not only have that from a standpoint of credibility, but also experience and knowledge, like we let off kind of talking about. Um, one of the things that we discuss at Thundercuts is the idea that there is no easy pill. This is a great way to cut and maintain performance and aesthetics, and it's, it's a very fun way in my mind. We don't have to do lots of cardio to get lean, um, but in no way is it easy. Um, it is monotonous. It is tedious, uh, it is hard, and it is effective. It's a great right? sales pitch. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> but if you want it, this is the best method that I know of for being able to do these things together, right? Yes. Uh, and it doesn't require a full-time investment. You know, you train 30 minutes in the morning and then an hour at night. The most important thing that we're teaching people in the book is how to manipulate their diet to be able to mobilize fat and not lose muscle mass with it. Um, but that requires discipline. Discipline in your food, your preparation, your tracking. Um, and anyone who's out there saying like, oh, you could be super ripped, just take this fucking pill and eat what you want is a liar. There is no easy pill. There's nothing in this world that has compelling effect, intrinsic value, or anything that is really worthwhile that doesn't take some suffering or a large amount of investment to get. So the juice is worth the squeeze. You know, uh, you just gotta want it. The juice is worth the flex. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they can find Thundercuts on thunderbro.com and that should be out January 1st. January 1st is the goal, just in time for your New Year's resolution. Um, just in time to get you guys ready for the spring and beach season. It'll be a cool program. It's actually going to be a nine-week training program. But you can extend it out for as long or as short as you want it. And again, the nutrition, lifestyle, and strategies you use are the really the most valuable piece is what we call all the tricks, all the little details that help you achieve this stuff. 
And it's just a game of consistency, of finding ways to make you successful every single day with a low barrier of entry um, and setting you up for success. And for the first 10 people that order, you said you would shave their ass for them. We'll shave their ass with our, we're going to shave a lightning bolt into their ass. <laughs> thunder, bro. I love it. Well, thanks, Dave, for sharing that story about this weekend. Really awesome. Yeah. The Champ Champ, congratulations again. And we look forward to seeing your upcoming adventures on stage and all the great stuff that we have coming out here on Thunderbird. Yes, sir. I can't wait to see some more of our athletes on stage, too. We have a number of athletes uh, in the 90-day in our Anarchy program who have expressed a desire to go on stage themselves, which if you're out there and you're considering doing a show, my recommendation is to absolutely do it, regardless of where you're at. There's nothing that will keep you more accountable to your training and nutrition. There's nothing that will put you in the best looking shape of your life than knowing that at a certain time, in a certain day, in a certain place, you're going to be naked on a stage in front of a bunch of a bunch of in front of a bunch of people, and uh, and that level of desperation is a huge motivator, uh, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, and if you're going to do that, please email us thunderbro at gmail.com so we can know and maybe help you out throw you some t-shirts to wear around yeah. and uh, you know get the Thunderbro word out there. Ask yourself that question, you know, how good could you look? Like how what do you think is possible? Um, and you don't know until you try. But that's a really good question to ask. That was one of the big things that motivated me for my first show was just like I want to know how good I can be if I went all in. Yeah, you went all in and you look great and uh, it's really awesome to be a part of a a company that has someone that leads by example, and we're, we're proud to be a part of Thunderbird. Thank you, Squad.